punches is thrown into your frontless. Oodles and noodles, bang bullets at suckers noodles. Last album voodoo, prove that we was fucking brutal. I'm talking crazy, half past the clock is cuckoo. This is Michael Azarad, editor-in-chief of the Talk House, and welcome to the Talk House Music Podcast. A magnificent ball of intelligence and righteous anger. Run the Jewels is one of the most exciting and intense things in hip-hop. Rappers LP and Killer Mike are hip-hop veterans who combine to make something even greater than the sum of their parts. And LP is not only half of Run the Jewels, he's also one of the best, most distinctive producers and beat makers in the game. Their widely acclaimed second album, Run the Jewels 2, came out in October of 2014, and recently the super duo released Meow the Jewels, a crowdfunded remix version of the album featuring samples of Cats, fitting for a couple of artists with nine creative lives. And that was a hit too. Boots suddenly hit the mainstream radar screen for his work on Beyonce's blockbuster self-titled 2013 album. He went on to do great work with FKA Twigs and Run the Jewels. Boots is a songwriter and producer, a rapper and singer, and a musician in his own right, with his debut album Aquaria out on November 13, 2015. Oh yeah, and he's also a filmmaker, directing and starring in the 30-minute film Motorcycle Jesus earlier this year. And he's also written some great pieces for the Talk House. Boots is opening for Run the Jewels on their epic-length international tour, so we figured that was a great opportunity for him and LP to sit down and talk about lots of things. Their jazz musician dads, the creative value of sampling, drugs and music, the internet's fascination with cats, and even their doomsday scenarios. We also find out how Boots got his nickname, and the answer will amaze you. Boots and LP recorded this conversation on tour backstage at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's not a super high fidelity recording, and it was kind of noisy in there, but it sure was an interesting conversation. And away we go, Boots and LP on the Talkhouse Music Podcast. So we're doing this for Talk House. I'm Boots. I'm LP. You definitely wear boots all the time. I do. Is that something that you did before you named yourself Boots, or is that something that you just felt obligated to do after your name was Boots? No, it's something that I've always done. It's something I've done since I was a kid. Like, my dad, uh, he grew up playing in different assorted cover bands, bar bands type things. What did he play? He's a, a jazz bassist. Bassist. My dad was a jazz pianist um, and he played in shitty restaurants and yep. crappy bars and played for years and years and years and uh, did your dad grow up in New York no he my dad grew up in Boston um, and then he was in the army and he went he was stationed in New York and um, then he just stayed um, and so yeah that's how that went yeah, my, my dad grew up in, in Brooklyn, actually, yeah. and my mom, too. My mother was from a New Yorker. My yeah. mother was from New York. Her whole, actually, 10th generation, like, it's a whole, you know. I've got an ill gift for you, by the way. It's this 10 DVD series, the history of New York from mm. day one till Damn. present. I mean, we all know the story, Theodore, New York, yeah. uh, first found New York in a rowboat. Um, no one was on it. <laughs> it was empty. <laughs> and he was like, this would be the perfect place yeah. for white people to build a city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 
that's how that went down. Yeah. But yeah, so but but like did you used to go watch your dad um play? Yeah. I would watch him play and he would always wear those beetle boots. The beetle boots? Yeah, but during the day he had he would rock sneakers and shit, but anytime he went to go perform Nighttime camp. He put the fucking John Lennon boots on. What and boots or what do those look like? They're patent leather, I think. And they got the Cuban heel. High? High boots? Depends. Sometimes it's it's a inch heel, sometimes it's a two inch heel. No, I mean Bumble like wood. the like up the leg? No, like ankle boots. Oh, those are considered boots, that's right. If they reach your ankle. Yeah. But those high tops aren't considered boots. Maybe they should be. He was wearing leather high tops, basically. Yeah. But did you ever watch him in restaurants, or I mean in bars and, and clubs? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. But like I have these distinct memories of going to see my dad um, play in like restaurants. I would always watch him, you know, part of it would be watching his like weekly gig mm -hmm. at the restaurant or whatever. I remember it definitely being something that simultaneously felt tough because you knew that this wasn't a real crowd and you knew that he was performing and he really was, he was into it. So that was a little tough, but it also at the same time made me really always, it always stuck with me from watching him do that and knowing that he lived for that shit, like he really did on the low, even though he wouldn't really admit it, like he, I, I think my father lived for that. And um, even in that environment, you know? Yeah. So it makes me, it always sticks with me, something I always try and remember because uh, whenever you perform live, you know, whenever you're on a tour or whatever, whenever you're getting a chance to be on stage and do what you do and some people are there to see you and to not eat a meal, yeah. you know, then you're doing, then you're, you know, that's great. But at the same time, we should probably all be in our minds able to be happy just doing the music yeah. even when because when that time comes and we're not able to really perform like that or it's not really like you know it's just an interesting thing i always thought to myself like okay like he he loves this so i should make sure that i always love this because well performing performing in front of people i feel is the only place that you can truly be rewarded for making music or, or... And see an immediate reaction. Yeah, it's the only place in the world that does it. It's true. It's definitely true. And it's also like, you know, a very real response to your, to your music. If I'm here, how do I make sure, you know, how do I make sure that these people have a good time, yeah. that they enjoy watching the show? And that's what that's what ends up making you have, get you know, get get a good show under your belt. like. I think that the people who are, you know, get addicted to that, I, I'm addicted to that feeling, you know, of knowing that, like, you just destroyed the place. Yeah, and you guys do. You guys have been. Likewise, likewise. Um, but, you know, it wasn't always like that, you know. Had to, had to, like, work to get to that point to understand what it, you know, what it was about. But um, I think I'm going to get my dad's. Uh, I, think, I think my father has retired officially from music years ago. Like maybe five years ago, six years ago, I think he just decided that he was done with it, right. um, which is a little sad. But you know, I guess I understand to a degree. Um, but he has this uh, piano. He has this baby grand piano that I'm gonna grab. What color is it? It's brown. My my grandma when she passed, she had this. I think it's brown. Yeah, she had a really strange. It was white, but she painted it black or had it painted black. <laughs> really? Yeah. My, my grandma used to paint 
uh, and my grandma actually is one of the biggest reasons why I'm in, into music as much as I am outside of seeing it. But she got this this dude who did these sad ass clown paintings in Miami. Just a, they were all sad clowns, and she bought one. And she, when the guy died, most of his work became priceless. And when after she passed away, uh, there was this painting in her her apartment of the clown, and. A collector came to see it. He says it's not an original. No, it's just been painted red. Painted <laughs> she, red. She, 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 she thought it wasn't. I mean, you know, <laughs> once did. you buy the art, I guess it's yours. That's how she felt about her shit, man. So this is an interesting question. You're both very ex extracting. Ex excuse me. You're both very exacting about the sonics of your recordings. How do you deal with the limitations of live sound? That's actually pretty interesting. You're kind of dealing with that right now. Uh, it's, there's a certain part of my brain that right now I have to let go yeah. of just being used to the way that it sounds on the record. Well, because you could have come with backing tracks and right. you could have played your shit, but you yeah. decided to recreate it live and do something different, which I really like about your show. And it's one of the things that I loved doing with a band. That was one of the reasons why I liked bringing Torben Wilder, yeah. you know, but, uh, but I think it's cool, though, because people come to see the show, and I always love the fact that their live albums sounded different than the regular album. That's how I feel, too. I feel that, that sometimes you always have to recognize what a live version is not always going to be the same. And I'm working, you know, night by night. We're figuring out little ways to... And sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes... It's more free. Yeah, or you just come up with a stripped-down sound that is more... You know, you had to kind of go out of your way to recreate. So... Yeah. I don't really have that issue too much because basically we're rocking off of our music, you know, but we go all out and try and really give a good vocal performance and, you know. Well, I've seen a lot of, I've seen both where, I've seen hip hop shows where it just doesn't come off with the band. Yeah, I think it's a crutch sometimes. I think that sometimes people think that they have to do it just to step to that next level. And yeah. I, I, sometimes it, it, it is really a, a, another leap. Sometimes it really works. But Run DMC didn't have to do it. When I saw Tribe, I saw the, the last show at Madison Square Garden, or opening for Ye, and they just came out and rocked it on their tracks, and the whole place was Right, shaking. because, you know, because for the music that, that like, hip-hop music and the art of sampling and, and, you know, it's... It's beautiful in many ways, not because of the... It's beautiful because of the actual sound. Yeah. Like, the actual sound is unique and special. You can't find another form of music where sampling has played as big a part in that music and, and, and the combining of different drum machines and different... You used like, to sample off records? Me? Yeah, straight up off records? Yeah, all the time, man. All my first records were samples. All my major, you know, first albums were, were, were all sample-driven. recording the sample into the NPC, or you were... Nah, it was... It was I had an EPS 16 plus, which was an Sonic yeah. sampler. I have it still, the one in my studio. Yeah. Um, not that exact one. They, you know, it's my mom. Did my you do that in the Triton Fourth too? or something. Yeah, I used to. I mean, I've used a bunch of shit, but for the most part, I was for like for Fun Crusher, and for us, um, for um, Fantastic Damage. Um, those two were basically made on a sampler. Just. Wow. just and you can you can feel it, especially on that, because I feel like. 
um, especially on those two records, you feel like you're in the room getting banged around. Yeah. And it might just be the way that those things sound or the way that those come out of... Yeah. You know. But I mean, also, like, I was doing it in a different way, I think. I was chopping it up so much, and it was because it was a keyboard. I was yeah. just using samples as sounds, and I was... You're not going to find a whole bunch of loops in my career. You're not going to just, find, you know... Earlier you go, the more you will. But um, as I started to get further and further into it, I wanted to try different you know, ways to do it. And also sampling is not easy to do. You're one of the only, if not the only producer I've ever felt really concentrates on making their drums always feel or sound like they're live, they're performed. Yeah. Every, every time I listen to a jam, it feels like they were performed in some way. And it could be because it always feels like there's a fill or there's something happening that yeah, you don't see yeah, coming yeah. and it's not the same right. one always. And if it is, it's, it's a hook fill, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I try and do, I try and make it interesting. I mean, I've always been, yeah, drumming is an interesting and important thing. I think that people have to have their own sort of approach to it, you know? And you create all your own fills. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it changes, it alters. Sometimes we do them live. Sometimes we do, sometimes we do those fills live. Like I'll have, um, Taco, aka Little Shalimar, like play live fills or whatever, and we'll patch them in over sort of flip them inside out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and there was there, but plenty of times throughout my career, it's been about sampling fills. You know, when that's always been fun because a lot of times you sample a fill and you throw it in at a, you know at, in, in at a rhythm that it wasn't, it wasn't supposed originally to be, supposed yeah. to be in, and you get yeah. a result and you can chop that result and then you know. So one of my that's one of my favorite things to do, and it's just a little secret if I'm stuck sometimes. Not a secret for you, but just a secret about how I work. If I'm stuck and I know I want to work on something, or I want to make something, I will put in just a bunch of my favorite drums or favorite mm -hmm. samples and I'll just start picking things that I like. Absolutely, man. And that's one of the cool things too about about samples is that you, you're sampling, uh, I don't know, you're sampling ideas to a degree you know, it's it's all inspiration. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's just like you're constantly in inspiration mode when you do that, um, yeah. or searching for it. Yeah, and I and I try now the same way that you do to record live sound to avoid going through other things that people have recorded on, or, or sometimes I do, and other times I I prefer to have something that it was played in the place that I was, or mm -hmm. you know, during the vibe. Yeah, I mean, you know. I can't wait to get the fuck back into that studio, though. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. I'm fucking ready for that. You and me both, man. So what are some other art forms that influence what you do and how you think about music? Art? None. No other art form. <laughs> I refuse to witness or pay attention to any other art form except rap. Except rap. Nah, I don't know. Move Everything, with. man. Every, you know, we're all What's always... What's your favorite movie? That's a... You know... Um, what's my favorite movie? Shit. That's a really good question. Um, really don't. I mean, years ago, I would have said Blade Runner right yeah. off the bat. Director's Cut, Blade Runner. But, you know, and that's still, that's still probably up there. That's, that may be the, my favorite movie. Yeah. 2001 Space Odyssey is mine. And I, it's informed very many things about the way I do art and films or way I approach anything is because of that. I was wondering why you always had that uh, black obelisk floating behind you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all have them in our hands now, by the way. Yeah, the obelisk yeah. rip off. 
the shitty version of the obelisk. That's basically, you know, a lot of people don't realize that 2001 was just predicting the iPhone 1 billion. Well, that's a funny, that's a funny, <laughs> that's a funny uh, question. It's a, for me, that's a, a chicken or, or the egg question because you think about it and it's, okay, well, Steve Jobs was how old when he saw this movie and did Stanley Kubrick just predict the future or did Steve Jobs say, I'm going to make that thing? And, or is it, is, is it hand in hand? But what I'm saying is that he was actually the, the, the mod, the, what is it, the obelisk, right? The monolith. The, the yeah. monolith, excuse yeah. me, I was saying obelisk. That's the Washington Monument, an obelisk. Got it. The monolith, what I'm saying is that maybe, it's, has it ever occurred to anybody that that was actually just a cell phone from the future? Like, you know, literally the iPhone 1 billion. <laughs> just staring into it. I think that's what, the, that's what the iPhone eventually looks like when, you know, when we just evolve. I feel like we're gonna get the the you know remastered version of 2001: Space Odyssey, and every time you see that in the film, you're just gonna see an iPhone now. <laughs> George Lucas will probably spearhead it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's George Lucas, then it's an iPhone sitting on a duck that's eating a little pigeon that's farting, and and there's a and there's a spaceship in the background. Yeah. Um. What about drugs? There's a question about drugs and how much drugs play love, a role I in your music. Drugs. Just depends on, depends on the, the intake. Yeah, and the moment, right? Yeah, I'm not mad at drugs. I mean, I have. There are reasons to be mad at certain drugs for sure, but I think that uh, you know, the occasional um, mushroom or joint or daily, whatever you want to. <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's. I think it can be good if you're if you if you lean towards being able to handle that type of thing. Yeah, I think any issues I ever had with drugs in the past wasn't due to overconsumption, but it was due to uh, like when I was younger, I, if I got too high and it freaked out, and I think that it had more to do with where I was in my life. Everyone than, goes through that. That's yeah. called the pain cave. Yeah. That's when you first encounter the pain cave. That's, and you it's a, realize that you're not invincible. No, and you're stuck in yeah. the pain cave for as long as it will be, and then we will release you. That's right. And everyone goes through that period, not everyone, but a lot of people go through that period where they first encounter the bad high. Mm -hmm. I stepped away from smoking weed for Me too. years. Me too. Years. Um, yeah. And the... Uh, I'm, I'm glad it's back. I'm glad it, you know, I have to blame Killer Mike for that one a little bit. Yeah. When I first started smoking again, uh, and then I tried mushrooms, I was afraid the first time since then, because I go, oh my God, what if that thing happens? And a friend just said to me, he goes, no, nah, it's not gonna happen, you're good. And the second he said that, I go, all right, I am. My answer to anybody asking about drug use and creativity or whatever is simply like, if you're not able to do the drugs, it doesn't matter if you're trying to make some music or not. It's, it, you have to you have to be in a good place to do a psychedelic drug. Mm -hmm. You have to be relatively stable in your head and to, relatively responsible in your life. I think. Yeah, like you can't have any crazy shit hanging over your head and then go do drugs in the woods for three days. Yeah. With, you know, tripping out because you will encounter that crazy shit that you haven't. Yeah, that's with. that's people searching for for ghosts though because they think that you know maybe something else will happen then.
Meow the jewels. The internet has an obsession with cats. Oh. The internet loves this fucking you, cats. You're, 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 is there, are you quoting this? No, no, no. Oh. I'm, I'm just. Yeah. I'm trying to work on my segues. Gotcha. Uh, why do you think the internet loves cats so goddamn much? What? I don't know. Because um, I love they're cats. They're pretty photogenic. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed. Cats are pretty cute. You're a... And when they're ridiculous, they're amazing, too. Your Twitter picture is a cat. It's your cat. That's not my cat. That's not your cat? That's not no. the beast? No, 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 no. I always thought it was. I always no. thought it was the memorial picture you had for the beast. <laughs> <laughs> nope. The memorial picture is just a picture of her dead corpse. No. That's why I haven't posted it. It's too disturbing. No. <laughs> Whatever, Meow the Jewels, everybody loves it. Meow the Jewels, Meow the Jewels. I'm glad that it's out. I'm glad that it's, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that it is what it is. I'm glad I'm never going to do anything like that again. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I was psyched to be able to drop that. Um, Outside of hip hop, I know that you listen to everything. I listen to everything. Yeah. I know that you love Scores. I know that you love classical composers. I know that you love jazz musicians and artists. Here and there. Uh, you showed me a number of incredible pieces that I had not heard previously. You introduced me to Gang of Four. Yeah, yeah. You introduced me to The Art of Love. Our noise. noise. But what's the what's the band? Moments in love. Moments in love. Art of noise. Yeah, that's what it is. But there's all this all this music that that you love. Well, I mean, but like you know, conversely, you are making you just you produced the, one of the biggest R and B records of the last several years. But your music is obviously influenced by you know much more than just that genre. Yeah. So it's interesting to me. I'm, I, the interesting thing to me was to see the direction that your record took because I kind of heard it in stages. Yeah, you know, and um, and worked on some of it with you, which was very fun. Um, and I wish I could have had the time to do more, but we'll do that next round. And um, but uh, yeah, it's ill. It's 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 like you know. Influence is, is, is interesting to me because you almost, every time you make a record, you're almost wondering what it is that you're, you know, what am I being influenced by right now? What am I interested in right now? Like what's, what's, what's sort of like, you know, what of the pantheon of music that I like am I thinking about right now? And I always do that. And I think that that's maybe because I did start with sampling. So I would just pull records, you know? And so I associate production with different moments and times and things, you know, depending on the record and, um, or maybe it's just that that's a normal question. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it, it, it informs what, what we do is the, the things that we listen to outside of whatever classified genre people think that we are. Do you like openly admit your influences? Like, do you think that you know them enough right now that you could even say if there was a, an influence on that record or if there's a jam that had an influence from something that you know specifically? Sure. 
I feel like the energy of Cure came from watching you and Run the Jewels perform live. I feel that the energy and how hype it felt to see something that fast because I feel that some I have really steady blood pressure sometimes, so I think that that causes me to fall into slower rhythms sometimes. Because but of your blood pressure? I think I think every there's anybody who has an internal speed and kind of a energy. I think it depends a lot with just just how active or how high tension you could be in your everyday life. Man, I do I do fast jams just so I can chill. That's interesting psychology. Well, I guess what I mean is I'm a hell of a lot more chill than my music. And I think it's just because I get the chance to get it's that out in that form, you know, and get on stage. And, yeah, yeah my, my energy is frenetic. I feel that I'm in too many different places in my head at once, that my energies I have to pull in different ways, and I, I never want to feel like one thing suffers because of yeah, I feel you. I'm being, you know, magnetized by a hundred thousand different things. Yeah, it's like a drummer though. A drummer, they usually pretty either laid back or real pissed off. But the laid back ones, I feel like it's because they they exercise that demon when they play. Um. Yeah, I don't know. There's different modes though, you know? It's like we all have different modes as producers. In our heads, I think we're all the same, where we kind of have a, we have a slow down mode, we have a fast mode. And you, and you kind of look at them differently and approach them differently. And, and uh, I love them both. I love, I love all different modes of, of making beats and making, you know, producing and making music. Cause, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how I feel like you should, you know, anyone, you know, there should be a mood. There should be something that alters and shifts and changes and takes you somewhere, you know. And I think that the great producer, that's why I like what you do. Obviously, you know, you are, you think in those terms. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people do. There's a lot of people that think that, that, are, that are influential to me, you know, just like, um, I think that's kind of like what, that, you know, I think that is kind of one of the things that makes producers great. Is if you can navigate all that. Is there a type of record that you haven't worked on yet? Uh, a type of record that you want to work on? Uh, an artist maybe that you really loved what they've done or, or wanted to create something outside of the, the usual kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've never done a full record with a singer. It's something I'm definitely going to do at some point, you know? Like in terms of a full album. Um, and uh, I, so I'll do that. I'll do that at some point after this Run the Jewels shit is maybe, you know, Run the Jewels 3 is tucked away. Um, I have a couple of projects sort of in the, in the making. But yeah, I'm doing, um, working with um, a band that I really like uh, called The Veils on a couple of jams. Already did something with them. Uh, shout out to Finn, who's, a, who's a, one of my favorite singers. And um, Great lyricist. Uh, and yeah, great lyricist, just really, uh, his record, Nux Vomica, was, was, was very inspiring to me. And of course, I got the Stepson thing, that, that's sort of my side project with uh, Nick Diamonds. And, um, but no, I'd love to do that at some point, do a full record like that. And, um, you know, there's a lot that I think that I 
for me, there's a lot that I haven't done yet. Would you ever score a film? Of course, I yeah, of course. I actually have. Obviously, I did the uh, well. Obviously, obviously to me. Um, the doc. The no, the uh, bomb the system. Never saw. Yeah, it was a it was a real movie. Uh, it was a great little movie, I thought. And um, yeah, I scored that. They they basically cut the whole thing to my music, and then they were just they just stepped to me and were like, "You have a copy, actually." Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. To be honest, Bomb the System. Yeah, it was for a while. Okay. Um, but I don't. I, so I don't have a copy necessarily, but I'll find it. But you can buy it on iTunes too, um, or even rent it maybe. I feel like a cunt. Um, so I did that, and that was um, that was great. When, when did you do that? Two thousand four or five or something like that. Sleep on your dead era. No, before that, and um, in between the two. And uh, when you did, uh, I'll sleep when you're dead, which was first time I'd ever heard anything like that on a hip hop album, a rap album. It was the first time. The first time I heard Smithereens, I was in the car in Miami and someone was blasting it and it sounded like the most futuristic shit I've ever heard in my entire life. I remember being physically just fucked up. I listened to it six times in a row because I never expected to hear anything like that. That was a fun one. Uh, still one of the, the most uh, interesting and, and heavy beats I've ever heard you do. Um, yeah, that was an interesting construction that beat was interesting can you tell me about that yeah i um i can tell you a little bit about it i mean that sort of sound was actually those that 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 sort of flanged out sound it's like that a made siren up, or something and made up the that sort of made up the rhythm of the drums was uh, a, a drum fill sped way to fuck up and then and then and then sampled and filtered out like a, and put like a phase on it I think and yeah. it was just this weird sort of chopper effect yeah. that was happening yeah. on yeah. it yeah. and um, as far as the as far as the the rhythm of the whole thing went it evolved from a whole other beat that I had I you know. You, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I'll work on beats for years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll just have some shit sitting around for years, and then eventually you forget about it, and you come back to it, and it becomes the starting point of something that ultimately doesn't sound anything like it. Watching you uh, has really helped me and inspired me, and I, I think uh, really helped me get better as a, a producer because you had a quality that uh, I lacked for a while before I started being around you and seeing your work during uh, Run the Jewels 2, I had a hard time letting things go. And I would jam things into the ground and try to make one idea work. And I saw you so quickly uh, do something that I had started to do, which is just trust your instincts that it's taking you somewhere better. Mm -hmm. And you would just leave shit behind. Oh, you yeah. would just abandon it if it wasn't dope enough. And I remember it helped me pick out what, what was shit and what was not it was based off of a reaction if it moved you or not yeah sometimes it's sometimes that's a good technique sometimes it's it may, sometimes it makes sense to follow the idea through you know sometimes you break through it yeah. but um i think following the idea sometimes means that you just don't end up anywhere near where you started yeah. you know oh, and yeah. that's what it is for me it's like because because producing for me is still a physical thing it's still like a it's a thrill it's there's a movement to it and there's a pacing to it it's not just this brainy thing where you sit down and think there's a physicality to it and 
and you kind of just keep moving. And um, and I, it's, it, you know, it's one of the things that's always been like that for me. I, my my shit will always change if it, 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 in my head it doesn't give me that feeling like this right. is it, you know. Right, right. And um, sometimes I think people have been frustrated some earlier in my career working with me mm -hmm. because that's the way I do it. So they might they might come in the next day and have a completely new beat. Yeah. And to me, I'm just like, look, this is just better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah that's, to them, they're like, but I was used to the first one. That's what, when I got to the place with uh, Oracle Lies on my album, and I had that in mind. I said, fuck this version, do another one. Fuck this version, do another one. And I kept doing it until it felt right. Uh, and it was something I was trying to, to break away from the fear of just trying to make one idea work. Like the song's still on my album I ha I've had for eight or nine years. And eight or nine probably different versions. I mean, I have, I've, I've gotten to the point where uh, I must have, I mean, there's years and years and years of hard drives that I don't even, they're just in storage that yeah. just have, you know, must have thousands of attempts at different things. To the point where organization is an issue in my life, you know. But uh, I, I also think that you should, that 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 if you start like getting too attached to shit in your music and your music making, let's say you got one one version of something, and you start getting too obsessive about filing things or like really caring, then uh, you know then you're then you have the tendency to just be stuck in the, the past a little bit. The creative you know? juices stop. They just stop. Yeah. Uh, especially in the studio when you're trying to get a sound and it's just taking the left brain shit doesn't work well in the studio. Yeah. And I've gotten in trouble with finding fucking beats on my computer because oh, yeah. I, I just don't... There's shit I, that I, just, that that I that. literally just can't... will never find again. Where did I put that shit? Yeah. It's just gone. Web. No hacker could ever find <laughs> it. <laughs> no matter yeah. how talented. Piece that shit together. Uh, there's whole shit. I feel like... Don't you ever feel like there's like... I mean, I feel like I must have lost like a good solid albums worth oh, yeah, of like, shit, like oh, good, yeah. a good album, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I have, I remember we sat down when, we, when you first started working with me for my album, you sat down and you, you, we just went through some of the beats with me that I've had at older beats and you go, what the fuck? And it was just all stuff that's been years old, but it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things, <laughs> probably thousands if we're talking about beats, songs, it's songs I've written for me it's it's different uh, have you ever recorded outside the United States yeah I recorded outside the United States several times I mean several times a handful of times um, a couple of times uh, two or three times in London um, we did a we did a few weeks uh, we did about a week in uh, Porto and I have not been to Porto Neither had I. We had a week off there. Well, we had two shows on either end of the week and uh, festivals. It was amazing. What's, what's the vibe like there? It's incredible. I mean, Porto is like, um, it's hard to describe, but I don't know enough about it to really describe it accurately. But I would say it's a beautiful European city. The It's it's warm and the people are warm and, and there's a lot of great sort of just visually it's really amazing but also it's just got a good vibe in general they're happy to see people you know it's it's it, you know to a degree i think that they might have had some hard times i think they had they got pretty hit like when the economy kind of tanked yeah. 
But um, it was great, man. I really, I would honestly stay there for a couple of weeks, month or something, if I got the chance. Um, there's a studio out there that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's cheap as fuck. Fuck the law, they can eat my dick, that's word of pimp. I don't fuck with to talk like all these fucking imps. Stop violent, give a fuck if you deny it, kids. You can all run naked backwards through a field of dicks. Fuck the world, don't ask me for shit, that's worth a big. I dreamt we own the world, but I've woken up and it don't exist. Soak it in and need no assist, can't slap my wrist and don't owe you shit. Trust me, I'm a doctor, do operate, I'm a post for a razor bitch. Tiptoe on the track like a ballerina, ski mask in the front at Catalina. It's obese female opera singer, you can run the jewels and lose your fingers. Me and LP got time to kill, got folks to kill, or overkill. He hanging out the window, I hold the wheels. One black, one white, we shoot the kill. Let fuck one life about to be repealed. What's your favorite place to tour? Uh, my favorite place to tour. I really like touring North America. Patriotic answer. No, it's true though. I mean, it's great to see the the you know. It's great. You get some amazing experiences touring in Europe and touring in Australia and touring and. Um, but you know, if I had to be realistic, I'm answering your question based on some practicalities. Like, sure. my favorite place to tour would be the place that it was like that's sort of the least punishing on my mind and body. Right. And that's North America, because <laughs> you can jump in the whip and travel around the country, and you don't have to go through mad border crossings, or you're not flying, and you're not like you know. Um, it's Blow after down after after 14 months of touring. I'm really glad that I've gone to all these places, but I'm glad to be back on a tour that's, um, I don't know, I'm just glad to be is, back on a bus tour in North America. It's is cool. this the longest tour you've ever been on? This one? Yeah. Oh, hell no. What's the longest tour you've ever been on? I've been on tours for two months straight. No, no, I mean years. Oh, you mean the full? Yeah, yeah, yeah the full. I, I thought you meant just this section. No, no. Um, yes. This is the longest I've ever toured a record. I mean, apart from, say, Company Flow, which I probably toured a little bit every year for a bunch of years. And then, you know, I mean, I've been touring really since Company Flow. But this is the longest that I've ever worked and toured for one record release. We're coming up on a year uh, at the Detroit show. The last show of this tour is is the anniversary. Of Run the Jewels 2? Of Run the Jewels 2. See that? See that? Because it was was right around uh, Halloween last year when we did... Or it was on Halloween when we did Letterman. Right? Was it? Oh, we yeah. It started so aired on Halloween. We, we recorded it the day before. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's a good year. It's a great year. Congratulations on all your success. Thank uh, you. Shit. I haven't even had a minute to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, just been, uh, I've just been running around, which is great. I mean, we're, you know. That's how it is. There's, I have people on my side that say, can you just enjoy one of your days? Like, no. Not yet, not, I mean, you know, I enjoy work. I enjoy working. Oh wait, this is cool. The vibe inside the studio is one thing, but how does the geographical location of where you record influence the music you make? Do you like to go somewhere else or do you like to be in a familiar place? I think we both like to go elsewhere now, right? Like, yeah. like I mean, shit, I make music in my apartment. Me too. I have a room, but somewhere else. Making an event out of it. Making, making an it, event out yeah. of it is a smart thing. That's, that's changed my life. Yeah. I never did it until I started doing my record on Cancer for Cure. I never did it until um, until the, the Beyonce shit, but I had never 
really known what I was super intimidated when I first yeah. went to those environments. Yeah, that must have been crazy. You just got plopped out of your life and thrown into the Beyonce. Yeah, into headphone making music, into studios with speakers that are twice Stadium. the size of me. It's crazy. Uh, but after that, I, I knew that uh, the, the experience or the, it's great, the experience of going to different places and finding you know, different places to, to find vibe and recording, and, and you did that oh, in, in, a, in an excellent fashion. It changed, it changed everything for me. Once I could get out of my, I used to just make records in my apartment, and that would take years because, I don't know, it was just, a, it was, it, I couldn't really tell you why, but I, but when I, when I finally was like, all right, I'm going to bounce out of here for a couple of weeks and just isolate myself, that was when I started making the most music. Yeah. And I was like, damn it. Same here. Why didn't I just do that years ago? Why didn't I just build? It never occurred to me, really, to be honest. But now I like going elsewhere. I do. I'm, I'm making it a point now to go to every vibey studio I've ever wondered about. I'm making, I'm trying. You've been to some crazy studios. What were some of the studios that you recorded this record at? Uh, I recorded a big bulk of this record and all of Motorcycle Jesus. Uh, in Brooklyn, in the south of France, at a studio called La Fabrique, um, Rancho de la Luna, in Joshua Tree, great rock studio, um, Sneaky, upstate, where you did Run the Jewels 2, and you did Cancer, and you, you introduced into my life, and uh, in L.A., I think are all the places. In the, uh, you did a bunch in the Autolux studio. Yeah, Autolux's studio. We finished that record too. And you produced the Autolux record. I did. The same it. time you were doing your record. Yes. That was crazy. Uh, I remember being there. I remember being in LA and, and uh, like one minute you were doing your record and I came to LA and you were mid, mid into producing the Autolux record. And you did the Twigs record. Yes. You've had on the low a very, very, very busy year. I haven't, I haven't stopped. Yeah, I haven't stopped. It's, it's heavy. Uh, I haven't stopped. The Autolux record, we would do, we would record them during the day, and then I would work during the night, or we would flip. And we would just do both simultaneous 24-hour days. I love those times. I love the, the experience of, of staying up all night and, and making music. It's just, you know, I live for that shit. I want to get to. I want to get to the point where I'm just waking up like with my slippers and walking to the curb to get a paper. There's a little dog barks from a from a bush in the perfectly manicured neighborhood that I've never lived in. <laughs> I just want to become an old suburban dad. Give me, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm gonna see what happens. I was. It'll never happen for me. It'll never happen. In the meantime, I'm just gonna run around like a maniac. Do you ever picture yourself that? you ever sit there and just picture yourself like, hey, I wonder what I'm going to look like in no. 20 years? No, no. Uh-uh. Oh, 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 I thought you, I was thinking about the suburban image. I'm no, just, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want any of that. <laughs> I was just thinking about the paper suburban boxes. Uh, I do think about 20 years from now. And What do you think? Mountain? Desert? I mean, sea? It, it depends on, on how fucked the coastlines get. There's, there's not a... From, Look, man, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be a downer or a bummer. I'm just being realistic. You, isn't it? Do you, <laughs> you find it 
I think you do. I think I know the answer to this question. Do you find it slightly thrilling that we're going to see probably the end of our society in our in our lifetimes? I mean, yeah. I'm I'm too fucking curious to. to <laughs> I'm too curious for how. I mean, we're not we're not doing ourselves any favors, and we're just as a species as a whole, we're just kind of still being wasteful and not stopping and I'm just as much to blame as anybody else. We're, we're absolutely, there's nothing, there's nothing stopping the inevitable. Yeah. So, but, you know, until, I think it's not, it was it's always not, something that seemed like it would happen in the far future, but now it's just like, yeah, it's all, it's probably, probably going to get pretty bad. I heard a guy in the elevator in Texas say, it's, you know, it was the other day, it's 85 degrees outside, and it's so fucking hot, and it's October, and in my head I thought, well, it's just hot in October now. Yeah. It's just hot in October. And but it's not a thrill as much as it is curiosity, because the humans always try to figure out how to get out of this jam. You think you're gonna, <laughs> you think you're gonna survive it? Uh, I don't think any, well, um, Are you gonna be the, one of the hill people? Like, are you gonna no. escape to the woods? Um, I'm gonna bunk up in a storm shelter somewhere. Probably with. I a, figure the first nuclear weapon fired. I just want to be in that city, you know. Really? Like, just take me out. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, it's like, come on, <laughs> you know. I mean, first of all, a nuclear bomb has got to be the easiest way to die. Easiest way out. You know. Yeah. I mean, this is dark. Got to be the easiest <laughs> way. <laughs> this is fucking dark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if it's going to set off like that, then I just want, I, then I just, I want to just get out on the first wave. Sure. I, I mean, don't want to, I don't want to see, you know, all my, all my, you know, everyone get cancer and shit and die slowly from radiation poisoning. It's a, it's a noble way to go out. Um, I mean, look, I'll take being on, on a different continent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's. If anything happens in the, the way that our imagination could, you know, create a bunch of different scenarios, nothing's going to be funny or great or fine. It's just, it is what it is. And I don't know, I don't even pretend like I know what we could do to ourselves. So if it's a bomb, if it's a, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> just edit it out, man. <laughs> You can't handle the truth, B. And that's it for this edition of the Talkhouse Music Podcast. Thanks to Boots and LP for recording the conversation, and to our producer engineer, Ellie Einhorn, for making it into a podcast. For more Talkhouse Music Podcasts, by all means visit our SoundCloud page or subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And to read smart, notable musicians writing about new music, please do visit thetalkhouse.com music. <laughs>